Well, hello. Can we give it up for that worship team? They are amazing. Can we give it up for all of you who were singing so awesomely? Yeah. And if we have leaders in the room, which hopefully we do, because I don't want to be up here by myself, if you could stand up, leaders, I would love to just celebrate you too. Stand up, leaders. Give these leaders a big hand. So hopefully camp has been awesome. You're only, what, is this one and a half technically or one and three quarters days in? Uh, but hopefully you guys are having a blast. It seems like it. Worship was amazing. Um, you guys have been going over this theme. We've have a, we have a theme verse. You guys know what it is already? You went over it last night with Barry. Who wants to shout it out to me? We're all over the place here, guys. So let me help you out. Uh, maybe we could put it up on the screen. Let's try it this way. You guys read it with me. What was the verse that we, we've been going over? <laughs> so you know what? Never mind. Let me just read it to you. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. And last night, you talked about the heart, right? Um, the desires of the heart. Uh, the fact that the heart can sometimes be deceitfully uh, uh, wicked. You guys remember all those things we talked about last night? Tonight we're going to talk about the soul. How many of you guys know what a soul is? What is a soul? You know what a soul is? You're doing better than me. I'm not quite sure all the time. I always get mixed up between soul and spirit, which one's which. Um, but the Bible gives us some great verses to let us know what a soul is and what it's like and what it's for and what it is to you. Because I want you to understand tonight before you leave, what is your soul to you and how can you take care of your soul? Those are the two things I want you to walk out of here tonight understanding. So what is the soul? First, the soul is the invaluable part of you. Invaluable part of you. How many of you guys know what that word invaluable means? It means that the value of it can't be measured. Where do I get that idea from? I get it from this verse. If you go to this verse right here, Jesus said this. He says, what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? You guys know what a rhetorical question is? Exactly, right? That's what Jesus is asking here. This rhetorical question, is anything worth more than your own soul? The answer obviously is no, of course not. Nothing's worth more. That's what he's telling us. The soul is the invaluable part of you. That means each of you has within you a value that's greater than the whole world and everything in it. How many of you believe that tonight? A couple of you, very confident, awesome. It's hard sometimes to walk around understanding how valuable you are to God. The value of your soul to him is more valuable than anything else in the world. Now, how many of you guys would be willing to give up your soul for some of the things in the world? That's sometimes the struggle that we face, right? We try to, we try to, we think of our soul as less valuable than some of the things that are around us. But the Bible tells us very clearly, your soul is invaluable, an invaluable part of you. What else does the Bible tell us about the soul? It tells us that the soul is the eternal part of us, the eternal part of us. How many of you hope to one day go to heaven and be with Jesus, right? What does the Bible tell us about that? That we will be with him for how long? For a weekend? A couple days? Eternity. 
The part of us that's gonna be with him is our soul. That's the eternal part of you. Where do I get that idea from? It's from this verse right here. It says, don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They cannot touch your soul. Fear only God who can destroy both soul and body in hell. You're like, thanks for that verse, John. That's terrifying. Um, But I'm not trying to terrify you. I'm trying to show you how that verse lets us know that the soul is something that's different than the body. The soul is something that goes on even after the body dies. It says, don't fear the people on earth who might put your body to death because they can never touch your soul. The only person who has uh, influence over the outcome of your soul is God himself. And we actually make that choice about what he's gonna do with our soul right here on earth. How many of you know what that's about? If we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we're giving our soul back to God and he takes it and he makes it and he says, hey, I'm gonna bring you to heaven with me. But if we choose to reject his message, then that's when the second part of that verse comes into play. That's when he would reject us. Now, how many of you guys, if you have an invaluable soul, want to waste it for all of eternity? Nobody's raising their hand. Smart crowd. Neither do I. So when we understand that that soul is an eternal part of us, we need to start making decisions that reflect an eternal mindset. And the very first one that we have to make is are we going to respond to what Jesus did for our eternal soul? Because if we don't make the right response to that, then we're making a poor, eternal decision. How many of you guys have made a bad decision? I've made lots of bad decisions, because I'm older, right? You think when you get older, you get smarter, but sometimes you just have a lot more bad decisions piled up behind you. But these bad decisions, the worst one that you could make would be one that lasted forever. How many of you guys have made a bad decision that lasted forever? Hopefully none of you, okay? Just you in the back. Sorry about whatever that was. Must still be going on, though, because we're talking about eternity. Hopefully we understood that concept. But the idea is the soul is eternal. We need to make eternal decisions about our soul. The other thing we need to understand is the soul is the deepest part of you. The soul is the deepest part of you. The soul is you at your very core, the essence of you, right? We talk about, I tried to think about this the other night, like what's a good illustration for this? How could I make you kind of understand? But we all, under, how many of you guys have a computer or you know, an iPhone or one of those things? We understand there's a hardware component to that, right? And there's a software component to that. What actually runs all the hardware in the phone? The software, right? It's the, the program, the operating system. And this is what your soul is to you. The soul is the deepest part of you. It's the, it's the part that runs everything else. If, you, if somebody were to smash your phone, but they were to keep that, that software, could they put it on another phone and run it? Yes, they could, right? And it would carry with it all the things that were important about that phone. One day, God said he's gonna do that with us, right? He's gonna take our soul and he's gonna give us a brand new body. And the reason that's gonna work is because the soul is something that's different from the body. It's the deepest part of you. It's who you are at your core. So that's what a soul is. So what does the soul want? Because lots of times this is where we start to get off track in our lives. We start to make bad decisions about what the soul wants. But David described it really clearly in Psalms. Read what he said right here. He said, as a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Your soul is an eternal thing, and what it craves more than anything else in the world is to connect with the God who made it. 
This is what your soul wants. David describes it like a deer panting for the water. How many of you guys have ever been out when it's super hot and you are just baking, you're sweating, your skin's all burnt, and you're just like, man, I could really use a glass of water. How many of you have been in that situation before? How many of it was yesterday? Was it yesterday for any of you? Okay. And when you drink that water, it's awesome, right? It's refreshing, it restores you, you feel great. And you're longing for that water. Well before it ever hits your lips, you're thinking about what it's gonna be like. You're anticipating it. You are just so ready for that because of the circumstances, right? And David is saying that's what your soul is like. Your soul is like that with God. It is anticipating, waiting, begging to be one with God, to be in communion with God. That's what your soul wants. So what's the issue? The issue is that we're not giving the soul what it wants. Sometimes we get sidetracked and we think that there are other things that will be just as good. We get sidetracked and we think that perhaps if I have more friends, my soul will be satisfied. Perhaps if I got more likes, if I had more followers, if I were more popular, if I had a better relationship, if I went to the right school, if I had the right things, then maybe I would be satisfied. But the problem is that those things can't satisfy an eternal soul because they are not eternal. That just doesn't work. Have you guys ever, you guys, any of you guys have a car in the room? I know this is probably maybe too young of a crowd for that illustration. But you know how a car works, right? What goes into a car, unless it's an electric car? Let's just skip over that. Let's assume all cars are gasoline. Gasoline. What happens if you put sugar in that tank? It doesn't work. What happens if you put literally anything other than gas in that tank? It doesn't work, right? It can only run on one kind of fuel, and so can your soul. Your soul runs on a relationship with God. It doesn't work if it doesn't have that relationship. And David described what it's like when that's out of whack, when it's not working. This is what he said in Psalms. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? You guys know what that word turmoil means? Have you guys ever felt like you were in turmoil? Have you guys ever had a first day of high school? All right. Turmoil, right? Unsettled, no peace. Sometimes it can feel like you're just in this vast ocean all by yourself. You guys ever felt like that, completely alone, on your own? This is the soul apart from God. The soul is in turmoil. And you can't fill the soul with anything other than a relationship with God. No matter how much you try, those other things will never work. As a deer pants for the water, so my soul longs for you. But we keep trying other things, things that we think might be the solution, but they can't satisfy. Only God can satisfy the soul. In fact, David tells us that in Psalms again, where he says this, let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man, for he satisfies the longing soul and the hungry soul he feels with good things. There's only one solution to the problem of a soul that's longing for a relationship with its creator, and that's Jesus Christ. Nothing else will work. And if you're walking around in that turmoil, if you lack that peace, if you feel overwhelmed constantly, if you think, man, I, just, I know that there's something missing. I think of the story uh, in the Bible of a guy named the rich young ruler, right? The rich young ruler came to Jesus and he said, hey, I wanna know 
What is the secret to eternal life? Can you tell me what it is? What's the good deed that I can do in order to earn eternal life? And what does Jesus tell him? Give your money to the poor and then what? What's the last part of that? We always get hung up on the first part. What's the last part? Come and follow me. Which one of those things was the actual solution to that man's problem? Was it giving away all of his stuff? No. The solution was following Jesus. Jesus knew the solution to that man's problem was that he needed to follow God, that his relationship with God was not what it should be, that his problem wasn't a things problem or a works problem. It was a soul problem. His relationship with God was out of kilter. How many of you guys maybe feel like that tonight? How many of you have been walking around feeling that anxiety, that burden, that feeling like you're just out there on a raft in the middle of the ocean? Any of you? Come on. Let's be honest. There's a few of us. I'm one of them. And sometimes we think that that problem is a people problem. We think it's a relationship problem. We think it's a I'm not cool enough problem. I'm not pretty enough problem. I'm not handsome enough problem. But the problem is it's a soul problem. It's a soul problem. And the only solution to a soul problem is God. So how do we amplify Jesus in our soul? How do we fix that problem? How do we give the soul what it wants? The first thing we have to do is we gotta turn down the substitutes. Turn down the substitutes. Everything else that's vying for your attention, that you're being led to believe is gonna satisfy your soul, we need to turn that stuff down. I don't know what that is for you. You know what that is for you. It could be sports. It could be relationships. It could be whatever. Each one of you, when I said there's something that's vying for your attention, you all had something pop into your head. Whatever that thing is, it's time to turn down the volume on that thing and recognize that what we need is a relationship with God. That should be the most important thing to us. Anything that we put ahead of that is eventually gonna cause our soul to be in turmoil. And if you're walking around in turmoil tonight, the solution is not some other thing or one more thing. The solution is to go back and into that relationship with God and to approach it in an authentic way, to allow him to actually be Lord of your life. Look at this verse in Matthew. Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on your, onto your own life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. Give up on your own way. That's a difficult one for us, isn't it? We all think that we know the best way. In fact, we usually are willing to tell God exactly what he should do. But that's not gonna satisfy the soul. The satisfaction of the soul rests on a true and authentic relationship with Jesus. And in order to be his follower, we've gotta give up on our own way. We've got to take up our cross, and we've got to follow him. You guys know what it's like to follow somebody? Do you usually tell that person where you're going, or do they tell you? We can interact here, guys. You can talk to me. Exactly. Follow means we're following. They're leading the way. We're taking the back seat. That's not easy for us to do as human beings. But that's what it takes to be a follower of Jesus. We're letting him lead the way. And when we do that, 
then that relationship will be authentic. Then we can be his real follower. You know, David had a solution to this problem as well. Remember, we talked about the first part of his verse. He said, why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? And then he talks to himself and he says this, hope in God. Sometimes our hope is in the wrong place. We put our hope in things and people and circumstances that we wish were a certain way. We think if we just had a different family, maybe that would be the solution to our problem. But our hope has to be in God. If your hope's in anything else, it will fail. The soul is an eternal thing. It wants a connection to the eternal God. You've got to place your hope there. Give up your way and follow him. The soul is never going to be satisfied until it's surrendered. The soul will never be satisfied until it's surrendered to God, until it's following him. And once that relationship is authentic and you are following him as you should, then everything else falls into place. And it doesn't mean that everything's perfect, but it means that you have the right view about life. It means that you are finally becoming who he created you to be. Lots of times we spend our time telling God what we want to be. Hey, God, do it this way. Make me like this. Make me like that person. But the truth is, is that he designed you. Before you were ever existed, he created you with something in mind. He had a plan and a purpose for you, and he hardwired it into your soul. And the only way that we're going to know what that is is if we truly surrender to him and allow him to lead our lives. There's a quote by a guy that I love to read. His name is C.S. Lewis. He describes this really well. He says this, the more we let God take us over, the more truly ourselves we become. Because he made us, he invented us, he invented all the different people that you and I were intended to be. It is when I turn to Christ, when I give myself up to his personality, that I first begin to have a real personality of my own. Some of you may be in this room tonight struggling with your identity. Who am I? What was I meant to be? And let me say to you, what you were meant to be is exactly what God designed you to be, exactly what he created you to be. And the reason we often have trouble finding out what that is is because we are not letting him lead. We are not following. Instead, we are trying to dictate what God does, or we're trying to tell God what he should do. So tonight, I'm going to ask you to do something different. Instead of coming up with the solution to your problem, instead of writing down what you think your issues are, why don't tonight, maybe for the first time, you decide, God, I'm going to let you be in charge. God, I'm going to let you lead, and I'm going to follow. Because when we do that and we enter into that authentic relationship with our creator, we're finally giving the soul what it wants, the soul what it needs, and that's where true peace comes from. So if you've been walking around unsatisfied, if you've been walking around feeling like you're adrift, tonight is the night that you can put that all to rest by letting God finally be in charge, by letting him let you be exactly who he created you to be. If you're ready to do that tonight, I wanna to give you an opportunity. If everybody in the room could just bow your head and close your eyes. I wanna give you a chance to say, God, I want you to be in charge. God, I want you to lead and I wanna follow. I'm tired of trying to do things my own way. I'm tired of trying to walk around in emptiness. 
I'm tired of, of offering solutions and thinking that one more thing's gonna fix it only to find out that it was empty as well. God, I'm finally ready to let you be in charge. If you're ready to do that tonight, I wanna take an opportunity to have you pray this prayer with me if you've never prayed it before. Say, Lord, I wanna give you charge of my life. I turn it over to you. I want you to be the one that's driving the bus. And Lord, I know that I've sinned, that I've done things against your will, but Lord, I know that you have forgiven me because of the work of Jesus Christ. I wanna accept that work. I wanna accept his righteousness in place of my sins, and I wanna turn my life over to you. There are some others of you in this room who maybe have already said that prayer. You've already decided to follow Jesus, but maybe you've been sidetracked. Maybe you've been sidetracked by you know, something in your life that you thought was more important for some reason. Whatever that thing was, you went after it thinking that it was gonna satisfy you and you found out that it was empty. And now you're beginning to feel the turmoil of having that broken relationship with God. Well, tonight's the night that relationship can be restored. All you have to do is ask. All you have to do is take the keys and give them to the one who actually knows what you were meant to do and let him be in charge of your life. If you wanna do that tonight, then as we get ready to go into our groups, go to your leaders. Let them know, I want God to be in charge of my life. How can I do that and what can I do? And they'll be more than happy to answer that question for you. So with that in mind, I just wanna say, I hope that you guys understand the importance of feeding the soul and satisfying the soul. One of the ways we do that is a relationship with God. Another way is through worship. So as we sing these songs tonight, maybe reflect, God, how can I let you be more in charge of my life? How can I lower the volume on the substitutes? and only be satisfied with the real thing. You guys stand up and let's worship together.